you like to binge watch TV, did you know you could binge listen to podcasts? Head over to electronicmediacollective.com where they have podcasts for days. You like podcasts about wrestling? They have that. Do you like podcasts about TV and film? They have that. Do you like podcasts about horror? EMC has that too. Do you like comedy? Do you like books? Guess what? They've got you covered. Head over to electronicmediacollective.com Pick your favorite podcast today. And welcome to the Christmas episode of Moose's Monster Mash, the show that knows not every Christmas is jolly and bright. I'm your host, Moose the Monster Masher, and I'm joined this episode by two guests. Up first is the man that is no stranger to horror, and, you know, if he doesn't like you, I'm sure he can find a hole to put you in somewhere on his property. Coming to you live from sinister Sydney, Iowa, the man with more skeletons in his yard than politicians have in their closets. Please welcome the Gravedigger. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? Glad to be here, Moose. Glad to be here. How you been? Doing good. How you been, man? I'm wonderful. I'm wearing a little chilly. I, actually, today was pretty pretty nice. It was out there. I uh, I got a little chance to you know to cut some grass and and mark out a couple spots for a couple new um uh, uh, engagements I got going on, and uh, we're we're all set. I'm ready for I'm ready for Christmas though. You know. Well, I mean, this has got to be a fun time of year for you. You know, nice solid ground to chunk into. It it, may, it does make it a little more difficult, but hell, that's what the pickaxe is for. <laughs> so, for the listeners, why don't you tell them a little bit about the Grave Digger? A um, little bit about the Grave Digger. Well, I am the Grave Digger. I, uh, I live here at Sinister Sydney. I am the host of the Haunted Attraction, voted the number one must-see haunted attraction in the state of Iowa for 2019. Um, also, along with my wife, Mistress Lori, uh, we run Sinister Sydney and we do a monthly talk show, a uh, video talk show on Facebook and YouTube called Haunt Chat Live, where we promote promoters and chat with the chatters and interview the interviewers and just have an all around good time. You know what I mean? Nice. So now, since I set up this episode, this is this question's kind of bugged me. If I were the pictures of you, you seem like a formally dressed man. You you have the top hat and the you know the the formal attire like mm-hmm. most. Mm-hmm. So, in, in a formal situation, would I address you as Mister Grave, Mister Digger, <laughs> or is it just one word, Mister Grave Digger? Well, it would be two words. And without the mister, it would just be grave digger. Because although, yeah, I like to, you know, you got to be presentable. You know, when you got a job like digging, digging graves, then uh, some people kind of might, you know, once they shy away from you. So you got to, you got to be kind of presentable um, to them and and not scare them off too quickly. You know, so I like to be a little casual. You can just call me grave digger. You know, that's or some people said digger, but they've only said that once. So grave digger is very, you know, that that works just fine for me. They said it once and they were dug. (laughs) Can you dig it? (laughs) So you mentioned Sinister Sydney. I mentioned Sinister Sydney. 
and mm-hmm. I know it's uh, Christmas time now, but it's never too early to think about haunts. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about what Sinister Sydney is? All right, sure. Um, Sinister Sydney is in the town of Sydney, Iowa. We're down here kind of in the southwest corner, uh, just about nine miles north of the border, and and west of the or east of the border also um just you can google sinister sydney you can find out where we are but we are a half mile outdoor haunted trail attraction um we're open in the month of october friday and saturday nights and friday and saturday nights only and all of that since we are outdoor is weather permitting and that can bite us in the ass once in a while you know because there are nights that we've had to be closed we really lucked out this year we had gorgeous weather it was a little cool but you know hell it's iowa so get used to it buddy but um say at least you weren't underwater we were not underwater we are up on high ground so we're lucky there yes sir bob uh, but yeah, we're open Friday and Saturday nights. We open at dusk, which ranges from, oh, 7.15, 7.30, you know, somewhere around in there. Just it gets earlier every weekend. Um, and then we're open till 11 p.m. Uh, is when we end the line. That's not like we, we cut the line off and, and uh, at 11 o'clock and, and anybody else uh, has to go back home. You know, we, we bring them in. But basically, we close at 11 o'clock because we are actually in the city limits. So there are, you know, we try and have everything shut down by midnight because, well, the neighbors like it that way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, and I think you said before it takes an average about, what, almost little over an hour to get through at a walking pace doesn't it well it, it can it can um we do have about well it used to be halfway through now it's about a third of the way through uh, a fire pit we have hot cocoa you know a little spot where you can catch your breath gear up for the rest of the hunt um so you can spend as much time there as you want i have had people range going through um anywhere the average the average is 25 to 30 minutes um, if you stop for a real quick cup and then move on. Um, but I've had people take two hours to go through it too, when they stop and, and mull around at the, uh, at the photo ops, you know, we got a little spot to take pictures. Of course, when you're coming through, we don't allow any photography or anything going on in the haunt itself. But in that, in that middle section, we call the fire pit, um, where there are photo ops and you can stop and pose with, with any of the actors who happen to be around there, any of the monsters wandering around, things like that. So we get a little chance to relax, catch your breath. And it's funny because a lot of people will come through and they're like, they're at the fire pit. They're, oh, whew, we're done. And we just laugh. But <laughs> no, wait, done. there's more. But wait, there's more. That's right. That's right. Um, and in the evolution of Sinister Sydney, when we first opened, it was about a little less than a quarter the size it is now. Um, you came in one corner of the property. You came up, uh, up and around to where basically where our fire pit is now. And then you turned in, you went down, uh, went down our driveway and out um, because this is actually, we live on the property. We live in Sinister Sydney. Uh, that, of course, we didn't really like that because that let the public into our private area. So we then have rearranged it and it went to uh it went to a quarter mile and then and then a little over a quarter mile and now it's half a mile long um and it, it winds from where you come in and you wind all the way back up it's on it's on a total of five acres we use about three of it right now currently for the haunt uh with plenty of room to expand which we plan to do over as the years go 
Um, but yeah, so it, right now, it, 25, 30 minutes is about the average going through it. But you can, hell, you can spend all night there if you want, or for that matter, the rest of your life. <laughs> as short as it may be, you know what I mean? And you have... Uh... Is it Sydney-related Easter eggs or sinister Sydney-related Easter eggs hidden throughout? Uh, sinister Sydney-related Easter eggs. Um, there's we we have yeah, there's a lot of theme. They call them themed haunts, where the whole thing has one specific theme going on. Now, our theme, first off, is just. To scare the crap out of you, you know that's, oh, that, what we that's like. the best theme there is. I mean, um, we, you know, if we were for pressed for a whatever, it's phobia. There we go, phobias. You know, so we've got a lot. We got a lot of phobias through it. Um, basically, it is Sinister Sydney is a town in itself, and in the storyline behind Sinister Sydney, uh, Mistress Lori made a home for all the dejected and monsters and people who just didn't fit in or, or couldn't live in peace uh, anywhere else. So she opened her doors to them and welcomed them in. So we are a home to freaks and the fringe and the monsters out there that they get caught, you know, anywhere else we get into trouble. So they they all live here, and so we have become a community of our own. So that that's that's your basic theme behind it. But we have running themes throughout it also that I'm not even going to tell you about. You just have to. It's trivia. Come back year after year and see if you can figure the crap out. So sinister Sydney, where the freaks come out at night. There you go. There you go. I like that. I like that. What kind of uh, horror things trip your trigger, Mister Digger? Um, what kind of horror things? Well, you know, I've been around a while. I'm, 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 I'm kind of old, you know, growing up. Uh, I, I love the classics. I grew up with Dracula and the werewolf and the mummy and Frankenstein and, you know, all the uh, creature from the black lagoon, you know, all the, all the classic, classic Bella Lugosi type things. And I, I was always spirit. Yeah, I was always a big fan of Bella Lugosi and the werewolf, you know, Lon Chaney and Lon Chaney Jr. and Christopher Lee. And I just those were as I'm not going to say as a small child because I wasn't that small by that time. But, you know, I ran around with the capes and I yes, I did sleep in a coffin for a couple of years. And uh, yeah, just uh, okay. So I'm a little freaky, but, you know, we won't go too too deep into that um but you know the the Who hasn't i love, wanted to sleep in a coffin yeah I mean, well i've done and, and the best part the best part of it that coffin came to me was given to me by dr sanguinary oh nice oh yeah 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 so it was yeah that was given to me by him and so i got to sleep in that for a while you know and and it was just yeah i, I love the line out of pigeon's juice i seen the exorcist a hundred thousand times and it just keeps getting funnier every time you know it's I, i'm kind of like that i just i just love that kind of stuff well and i seem to harp on it a lot on my episodes it's i i very much love the classic the the universal era Yes, yes. Movies. You know what the best part about all of them always was, though? The monster got the girl. Yeah. The monster got the girl. One way or another, the monster got the girl. See, the monster got the girl. It wasn't super gory. And no. the jump scares, like, you can't see it. I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. Um, 
the the jump scares and just the the shadow play and everything like that were enough to terrify you. It was much more psychological. Yeah, the, the, there were psychological uh, horror movies much rather than gut wrenching. Oh God, that's just nasty, scary. You know. Well, and see, we try we try and and get that feel at Sinister Sydney. Also, um, we don't we we've got some. You know, there there's I'm not gonna say there ain't no, there's no blood, but um, with us being an outdoor haunted attraction, you have these dead space areas. I love that term, dead space. But you know, you have you have spots between scenes where there may or may not be something else following you or watching you or going to come out, but you just don't know, you know, if you, you, you hear the coyotes going in, you don't know if it's fake or if it's real. And here's a um, kind of a spoiler. They're real. There's plenty of coyotes out here. So in but, Sydney, Iowa. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it is all, it is always coyote season out here. I'll tell you, the scariest movie I think that I ever saw was later in life, and that was Eight Millimeter. Did yeah. you ever see that, oh, Nicholas Cage? Yeah, that was so psychological, and so hmm, this could really happen. You know, pe- people ask me all the time. You know, you own a haunted attraction. What scares you? And yeah, or you know, they'll, they'll somebody at, at uh, you know out there will get me from behind and I jump and then, Oh, I scared you. No, you startled me. Those kind of things, those things don't scare me. Okay. I'm an adult. I am a grown man. The the things that scare me are the real monsters that are out there. Or, you know, the thought of my daughter driving on a deserted highway somewhere and her car breaking down, you know, those are the kind of the real, the real stuff. That's what scares, but it's all of that. The reason that gets you is because you don't know and it's psychological. So the best horror movies I feel are the ones that leave you guessing. Oh yeah. I, I've always been much more of the uh, psychological thriller as opposed to like the super gory. I mean, no, gory no, movies th- have their place. Don't, don't get me yeah. wrong. When, when my bloody Valentine came out, the original, not the remake, but the original and the minor dude, Stabbed that couple that was having sex right straight through both of them with the spear. I cheered, man. That was awesome. Okay, well, don't get me wrong. A, th- there's always a place in my heart for the gore. I mean, it's sure. Gore has its place. There, my daughter, we we went to see the the Evil Dead. I'm not gonna say remake, reboot, whatever, relaunch of the evil dead, you know, that, that one. And when the, the guy was getting skinned alive, my, I looked over, I heard his, the squeaky noise. And I looked over, my daughter is sitting in the chair with her arms tight clasped, rocking back and forth going. (laughs) I'm like, that's my daughter. Yes. You're raising them right. (laughs) Raising them right. Uh, Granted, about four people ran out of the theater, but, you know, whatever. That's their loss. Say lovey. Say lovey. So we met at Crypticon this this year. Yep, Crypticon KC. I think we we actually met 
the year before, or what, I mean, we had talked to each other. Yeah. I had interviewed you because Hot Chat Live goes out there every year. I, I'm very sorry to report. Um, we will not have a booth there this year because they changed the date of it and we're, I'm not able to. Um, but we do plan on making it out there for one day and going around and still doing our yearly interviews and, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, but yeah, uh, what is the, what's it like running the, uh, con circuit as the grave digger? Oh, it's fun. It's fun. Um, it's a little freaky though. I got to tell you the first time that we went and I believe it was trans world. Uh, that would be the one that goes on in St. Louis, the big haunted attraction. Uh, it's not really a con, it's a trade show. But we were out on the floor. Uh, Mistress Laurie and I were wandering around. And, well, actually, i got to be honest, it wasn't Mistress Laurie and I. It was that Reverend Michael guy and his wife were out wandering around. So no character, nothing going on. And this gentleman that I know named Max, Maximus, wonderful name, wonderful name, came across the floor and he looked at me and went, you're the grave digger. And I got to tell you, I about shit my pants. Oh, burn, burn my French. But it was just so, he was the first one ever to recognize me publicly as grave digger. That's awesome. And, and that was, I don't know, that was like four years ago, maybe. But but it is so nice to, you know, initially it's, oh, my God, I'm, you know, ooh, I'm getting famous, you know, but it, it's not so much that it's it's the welcoming of people. It, like I said, it's a little freaky that they know who you are when you don't know who they are. <laughs> I say when people like start it, recognizing your face. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it, it, it does get a little surreal. It, it does. Uh, we went to uh, we went out to Shadow's Edge this year, which is a, a haunt in Omaha, Nebraska. And because uh, we like to go there, we went on Halloween. We like to go there unless, like I said, Sinister Sydney is only open Friday and Saturday nights. So um, so if Halloween doesn't fall on one of those two days, then we're not open on Halloween. So the wife and kid and I like to go around to other haunted attractions. We like to go out to Shadow's Edge. Anyway, we get out of the car and we're walking up and they got the queue line across the front. And this random girl in the queue line looks at us and points and goes, I follow you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it was so surreal. You know what I mean? Cause I mean, I'm just, I'm just a humble little grave digger out here. You know, I, I, I marry him and I bury him. And uh, and for somebody outside of my bubble to recognize us is just it's a it's don't it's a wonderful feeling it really is it makes the head swell a little bit we I gotta admit you know be careful um, you don't want to mess up that hat yeah yeah right well it just makes it stick on harder I can I can head bang with it on now you know because my head's puffed inside of it so <laughs> but you know it, it makes me happy that we make other people happy that's what it is. That's good. You know, Tell me, what does the future hold for you, the grave digger? Um, I don't know because I am not a psychic. However, um, what I hope that it holds, I mean, Sinister Sydney is going to expand more. Um, Hot Chat Live, our talk show, hopefully is going to expand more. I mean, we've already expanded a bit. We started out only interviewing interview shows um, because the, the whole thing with that was, 
I, I, I had set up the whole system to do like to, to go live for another purpose. And that purpose got shot down. And I'm like, well, what do I do with it now? And I thought there's already a, there's already a bunch of horror related or haunt related talk shows out there. What do I do with it? And it came to me that nobody interviews the people that interview the people, you know, how, how do you know? how many there are, what, how, where do you look? There's no listing of, okay, here's all these different shows that you can watch that have to do with it. So I thought, why don't I do a talk show doing that? And I started out with the haunted attraction industry and, uh, and a haunt collective and just a whole bunch of scare track and a whole bunch of other shows that, that interview people. And I've now we've expanded into people that are in the horror industry, like the horror movie industry. I've done a couple of directors, uh, some actresses, some horror movie actresses have been on. Um, I've done I've got a little offshoot doing uh, horror hosts, you know, the like Dr. Sanguinary, the thing. And I hate to use the term, but it's like Kleenex, the Svenguli type people, you know, the ones that host the creature features and stuff. Yeah. It seems everybody knows who Svenguli is. And the funniest part about all that is, is I had no idea who the hell Svenguli was until about two years ago. Because I'm not from I'm not from Chicago. I'm from I'm not Omaha. either, but I know who Doctor Sang- is. Doctor Sanguinary. I knew Doctor Sanguinary. You know, I knew I knew the ones in Kansas City because I lived in Kansas City for a while. You know, I knew who Elvira was because, well, boobs. That's you know, a, Elvira. I mean, yeah, she kind of yeah, sticks yeah. out in the room. Yeah, yeah, a couple times, um, but uh, but yeah, I, I didn't even know single. And then I looked him up, and I'm like, wait a minute, he's copying me. He does singing, and because of course, because you know the promos for Hunt Chat Live, I do little musical vignettes about a minute long to promote the next show coming up. Um, and I'm like, well, he's taking after me, and then I realized, no, he's been around a hell of a long time. <laughs> but uh, but. I people go, oh, you're like Svengoolie, and I'm like, no, not really. I (laughs) don't have a rubber chicken. I don't have a rubber chicken. I do not have a rubber. I do have a rubber dragon, however, you know. So I like dragons. I'm not a big chicken fan, but I like dragons. You could go for a rubber rooster. No, no, oh, I'm not going there, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) No, let's keep it PG-13. I am not going there. Oh, psychological horror, that it is. <laughs> it's like psychological warfare. It's, it's always fun at the end of the day. There you go, there you go. But so, yeah, so so expanding, um, of course, by my side always is the wonderful Mistress Lori. Um, my, I, I, absolutely, my better half. She's the one who kind of keeps me in line and, and keeps me from falling in the holes I dig. So, uh the two of us together, and we, we periodically, like at Crypt, this Crypticon this last year, uh, we had the killer kid out there with us, our child, and uh, she has a good time going to those. She's she's actually becoming a vendor now. She's gonna she started making scale mail jewelry with this uh, company called uh, Phoenix Cry Mail. Uh, you can look them up on Facebook, and she's out on Etsy and stuff. They make she makes some really cool uh, scale mail jewelry and things. So oh, anyway, they're not scale mail, Ch- uh, chain mail, chain mail. 
Scale Bell's the armor guy. But yeah, anyway, so yeah, she's got that going on. And it's just, we're going to continue to have fun. You know, I'm getting old. I can't do too much work. That's why the Hot Jet Live thing is only once a month. Um, because I'm just old. I, I, I don't want to make it work. I want to continue to have fun. I want to continue to entertain people. You know, I, I can be a little bit goofy uh, when I'm in the mood. I can be a little bit dark. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And uh, but the rest of the time, I can just be sunshine up your butt. It's just <laughs> having a good time. You know what I mean? It's going to be a blast. Yeah, I'm not quite sure I've ever heard sunshine up your butt. Oh, like absolutely! <laughs> didn't you hear? Did, didn't you hear that the uh, what? What do they say now? Uh, uh, three minutes of of exposing your anus to sun to sunlight is like having your whole body. You know, you soak up as much vitamin D as as an hour out in the sun. Huh? Yeah, it's a it's a whole big thing now. It's, but you know, whatever. Teach their own. <laughs> I say it's definitely not for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm well, not even sure I could bend that way. I think you're just a little too hairy for it anyway. I'd have to get through the forest. <laughs> it's kind of hard to see through the fort, pass the forest through the trees. Yeah, you almost said hard to smell the fart through the forest, didn't you? <laughs> uh, yeah, almost. Yeah, almost. Anyway, so yeah, that's I mean that's where we're going in 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 the the future. Let's hope it just keeps being fun, and we will keep going to cons. We do. We're doing Hunt Con this year down in New Orleans. Uh, that's in January, and every year we do the uh, Midwest Hunters uh, Convention, MHC, up there, and it's now moved on to, it's in Chicago, or outside of Chicago in Schaumburg. We do that every year. Every once in a while, we hit Transworld. We've been to the Ohio Hunters Convention um, up there up north. Uh, we've been to the Northwest Hunters Convention, or excuse me, it's the, actually the West Coast Hunters Convention that was up in Portland. Um, so we, we travel around a bit. We like to get around and, and see our friends and, and get the word out about the show and just have a good time, you know? We have a blast. Oh, that's the way it should be. I mean, absolutely. Life's too short not to have a little fun. I was just going to say that myself. You are reading my mind. Get out of my head. Nope, living there for free. <laughs> well, I'm sure you have uh, holes you need to fill, so ooh, I that do, came I out wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or did it? <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, I got to get myself back to work. I got to get some stuff cleaned up, work on that promo, do all, do all that kind of good stuff. But hey, Moose, wonderful talking to you. I hope to see you again at. Uh, um, at Crypticon, uh, which has moved back to Kansas City. It yes. kept its name Crypticon Kansas City. And that will be in August this year. Make sure you guys look that one up. Uh, part of the, there are two, there no, three, no, there's two Crypticons right now. They're about to have a third one too. So going to be a good time. But check that one out. Check out all those different ones. They're, they're, they're just a good time. Good family. Well, since you have uh, things to do, I'm going to ask you to go uh, look up your uh, counterpart for me. Oh, I gotta go get. I think he's he's like in the kitchen making some banana bread or something like that. But but I think I can probably tear him away. And uh, you want me to go do that? Yeah, I want to thank the uh, grave digger for stopping by. And uh, while he goes and digs up his uh, counterpart, we're gonna take a quick break. And when we come back, we're gonna talk about the original Black Christmas. Ooh, sounds like fun. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. You Not have a problem. A Anytime. Tonight. Hey, everybody. Hey, I bet you're busy. So I'm gonna make this quick. 
My name is Jesse. I'm an elementary art teacher, so usually what that means is that I push my classroom from room to room on an art cart. So yeah, I'm literally turning cartwheels. I'm also a martial arts instructor, so I'm also doing cartwheels in the dojo. I'm a Comic-Con vendor, a husband, a pet owner, an illustrator, a college night class instructor, a brother, a puppet enthusiast, an uncle, a YouTuber, I guess, uh, a son, and a podcaster, just to name a few. For me, the wheels are always turning. And in a world where more and more is being asked of us, it's enough to make your head spin. If you've felt overwhelmed and lost, well, so have I. And I don't claim to know the answers, but I'm happy to look things up. So join me at cartwheelspodcast.com for the latest episodes of the Turning Cartwheels Podcast. I'd really appreciate it. And we are back. Am I smelling banana bread? (laughs) You might. You might. The dinger's about to go off, but I think I, I'm, my wife's going to pull that out. So since the banana bread's about done, I must be joined by Mike Ross or Reverend Michael, the Jekyll, to uh, <laughs> Gravedigger's Hide, as it were. How's it going, Mike? It's going great, man. It's going wonderful. And yes, that is banana bread. I uh, I, I, I took a, a recipe that I make on a regular basis that makes eight loaves at a time, and I'm cutting it down to make just two loaves at a time for Christmas presents and doing it at home instead of doing it at work. So we'll see how it comes out. See, so you're making banana bread. I'm going to be making meatballs in a couple days. Ooh. Well, more specifically, ham balls. Oh, cool. I mean, you're, you're from Iowa. You're, you know. I, I know what handballs are. Absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Some people might go, handballs, but no, What's I, a hand I know. Ball? It's like, oh, it's delicious. <laughs> go to the Midwest. You'll know. <laughs> what do you, what do you, what do you, uh, crust yours in or do you crust them? Uh, I like barbecue sauce. Okay. All right. I've had, I've I've seen them crusted in a, in lots of different things, uh, uh, seasoned breadings and stuff like that too that makes them really good say and uh tomato soup is really good too mm, not a, I'm, I'm not a huge tomato soup fan not if, if you let it know. glaze long enough and that's the key it has to glaze it, it can't just be poured over and like baked it has to glaze right 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 because if you can get the tomato soup to caramelize a little bit then it gives it a good flavor okay all right I'll, I'll watch for it. There it is, folks. You're on the Horror Talk Show. and <laughs> Talking about it, banana bread and moose. apples. <laughs> <laughs> cooking with moose and the rev. That's right. <laughs> we cover everything. Absolutely. All right. But no, seriously, we're here to talk about the original movie. Uh, the original movie. No. Uh, the movie yes. uh, Black Christmas. It, it, it was an original movie. Yes. And the original version, now I haven't seen the newest remake. I, I saw the one from, I think it was 2000, it was either 2006 or 2016. I think it was 2006. Yeah, I think you're right there. Uh, uh, I didn't like that one. Uh, no. It, that went more supernatural. And from everything I've heard about the newest one, it stayed with the remake more than the original. No, I'm not hearing that at all. Actually, I'm here. I'm hearing it's a whole different take on it. Um, it's kind of a, a girl power thing. Well, and I, I mean, I kind of hope so. Well, it, when whenever whenever there's a remake or a retelling of any movie that I see, I try and go into it 
forgetting the old one and take each individual one just for what it is. Exactly. You know, because anytime you take a remake or a reboot or and you try and compare it to the old thing, it's gonna you're gonna be just face. You're gonna be disappointed. So you know, but but I I, I tell you, rewatching the original Black Christmas for the first time since, like, like I was telling you earlier, I saw it when it was first in the theaters. Um, I wasn't quite old enough. It did. It was the first horror movie to get an R rating. Um, and I was, you know, I, I wasn't old enough, but I remember I, I must've snuck in because we did go see it at, in a theater that is now a giant church, but whatever. Um, but we saw it and we had a good time. And, um, I had a teen line at the time and it freaked me out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> my, my overall thought of the movie is as far as horror movies and especially ones from the seventies, Mm -hmm. This one actually seems kind of grounded in reality. It well, it, it's kind of based a little bit on reality. Um, there, there were some things going on at the time um, that uh, it, it was kind of based on a little bit on reality and the old, you know, there, it's been around forever. The old babysitter yeah. and monster in the house kind of a deal. The the mythology of it. Um, you know, but I mean, but this kind of tracks with the Ted Bundys and mm -hmm. everybody else. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't really have that supernatural element that you started to see later in the 70s and especially in the 80s. Right, right. Like, well, when they, of course, when they made When a Stranger Calls. Yeah. Which was based on this. And they even used some of the same lines directly out of it. They just took it further. Um, it was it was kind of it was based on and we'll, we'll talk about a little bit later, but there were some other movies that were based on this that some people may not even realize. And of course, even this was based on The Sitter from 1977, which was a short. Huh. You didn't know that. Did no. You? you didn't know that. Yes. I say there's a, there's a line in the movie that uh, I'm pretty sure I'd might know one of the movies that is based that, that uh, was picked up off of this movie and that would be uh, scream if I'm not mistaken um, well that was that was an homage the entry the opening of that was an homage to this movie yes you're absolutely correct and they definitely and one of the lines you know the calls are coming from inside the house uh-huh well like, that as soon was as I heard that line I was like hey yeah and and that was that was the line that was used verbatim in when a stranger calls in the first half of when a stranger calls um that was used verbatim the it was the exact same script the exact same dialogue as black christmas but yeah i mean all in all for a movie from the 70s this one holds up pretty well oh absolutely absolutely so, listeners if you haven't seen the original go watch it right now it's streaming on tubi for free and on one of the other apps, uh, I think you could watch it on Vudu for free right now too. There's, I, where did I find it? I um, I just, I just searched it, and I find it, found it all over the place. There are several places that it's oh, at, yeah. so so you can watch it, and that's how we did it. I cast it to the TV, you know, so I could watch it on a larger screen, and it just, it, it brought back sitting in the theater as a 13 year old, you know, and and watching it. It was, it was just, oops, did I just, I just outed myself on my well. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. People think I'm 70, so. Yeah, well, yeah, I am, so. <laughs> no. Uh, anyway, good time. And, I mean, 
it's not even it's not even a lacking cast either. It's you have Margot Kidder, who most people bit part. Yeah, it's a bit part for her, and she's Lois Lane. Yeah, yeah. You know, you have Lois Lane playing a bit part in Black Christmas. And, and there was in the because the the Black Christmas was they had actually done a, a book on it just previous to you know there's a full write of it. This was the movie, of course, was from the screenplay for it, and they expanded on the characters a lot more in the original writings of it. And she was, and you don't really see it in here, but they do hint at it. Margot Kidder is playing a bisexual, currently man hating, <laughs> drunk, I'm very much man hating. Drunk and drug addict, um, but if you you know she's she's doing all the talk about the, the the boys in the beginning, and then later on you see her that she see her looking at a Playboy magazine. That was their hint that she was bisex that the character itself was bisexual. And honestly, the way the movie was written, I'm kind of surprised they didn't just go with it because I'll go into it a little bit more here in a little bit. They they tackle some interesting things for the '70s. Big time stuff. Um, now you're you're younger than I am. Um, I'm, I'm guessing you were actually born in the seventies or eighties. You were born in the eighties. Okay, so I just looked like I was born a lot later. Let, let, <laughs> let me tell you something about the seventies. You got to remember the seventies was an uprising. It wasn't just hippies. There was an uprising of empowerment and things like that too, especially for women. You know, well, and so some was, from watching some of the movies from the seventies. So it wasn't stuff you released that from what I can remember from movies from the seventies. It right, wasn't really right. stuff I saw in you know on screen. Right, that this movie puts out there. Yeah, no, like, yeah, it, whoa. It, it definitely it definitely opened the opened the gates on a few things. But yeah, then there's you know uh John Saxon who plays Lieutenant Thompson in like I think three and, of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Right, yeah. The, the the only and those by the way are the only horror movies he was ever in. Yeah. Was this one and the Nightmare on Elm Street. And in all of them he plays a cop. I say he plays a really good cop. <laughs> he does. And he when does. you look at him, you're like, that's a cop. Yeah. Yeah, he, he very much has that cop look. Uh, Andrea Martin, uh, Aunt Vula from my, the My Big Fat Greek Wedding series. Now, see that that's not where I recognized her from. Um, well, see, I that's have not where I recognized I her seen, from either. But that I, uh, Second City Television, interesting. Second Second City Television with John Candy, um, and uh, uh, um, Eugene Levy. Yes. She was, by, by the way, right before this movie, she was in Cannibal Girls with Eugene Levy. Oh, that's one I haven't seen in a while. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and they, of course, went on to do Second City Television, which was the Canadian counterpart to Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And then there was uh, Kier Dula. I'm messing up his last Kier name. Dula. Kier Dula. Uh, the last girl's love, the, the final girl's love interest. Mm hmm. Um, I'd say most notably from 2001, A Space Odyssey. Yeah. Um, I, most notably, I, I I would take issue with because he, yeah, yeah he's in a 2000. Dude, I mean, he played the same I, character. I, I, yeah, I, I don't think he's that memorable person, I'll be honest. <laughs> I, he did, he did good in this. He did very well. He did. I, I really liked his acting in this one. Yeah. And then, yeah. Our final girl, Olivia Hussey. Um, horror fans know her from Norma as Norma Bates in Psycho Four, and she's been in a bunch of other horror movies. She has, she has. Now, I 
now, and this is why everyone thinks I'm old. I remember from, I mean, I remember from the old school movies. <laughs> yeah, it, it was funny because I saw, of course, she, she originally, uh, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. She was Juliet. And and that's when, when I saw her in here, I'm like, I know that. And Olivia Hussey, oh, that's a super famous name. And really, if you go through her credits, she didn't have a lot of super famous <laughs> movies. But the name is there. You know, you hear oh, everybody has heard of Olivia Hussey for one reason or As, another. But she's, she's been attached to just enough projects that. Yes. Big, big projects. You know, yeah, it's. She's well, and then, it's not the you know quantity of movies you put out. It's the quality of the work your name is attached to. And then more in my line, it. Yeah. She she was in the TV series it or the original it. Correct. Also, so you know that's where that's I think where a lot of people nowadays know her from. Um, but I I gotta tell you, watch that Romeo and Juliet boy. She's young, but mm, oh yeah, she's sexy. She did it good. It's like, and again, it's you know, kind of old and cheesy, but it, for what it is, it holds up. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. As, as we get into the movie, we we start off with POV entry shots of what we find out would of our would be killer. Yes, and honestly, that's one of my favorite uh, things in cinematography. Uh, I've talked about it about uh, like from Friday the Thirteenth, uh, the first one, when uh, b- before the Pam Voorhees reveal. Right. You know, you didn't know who the killer was. You, you just get the like bird's eye view of everything. It, it sets up that chilling vibe of, okay, what's going on? Mm-hmm. You know, and so from the start, you already have that, okay, you're being watched, you know, what's happening. So you're already on the edge of your seat from the start of the movie. Okay. Now I'm going to be your color guy here. We'll, we'll toss in the little bits of trivia. Those shots, that, that person, those hands and everything, are the actual cinematographer, the main cameraman uh, who shot the film. That is, they just, they mounted the camera on his shoulder, and he walked around, and he climbed the ladder, and did all those kind of things. Well, I'd say it beats paying a guy. And that was one of the early ones to do that. Not the first, but one of the early ones to do that kind of POV thing. And I, I agree, very effective. It is. Like I said, it puts you, I mean, it it drives you right to the edge of your seat early on. With a little bit of a distorted lens, too, almost kind of a fisheye lens. Yeah. Just throws you, and when you see, see, remember, I saw it on the big screen, you know, not the solicitor, but you see that on the big screen and in that kind of distorted lens thing going on. And it really puts you it, it puts you off guard, and it really sets you up for the beginning of it. I love. It. And then we get from we, we go from a nice jovial Christmas party to what is probably mm. one of the kookiest antagonists, <laughs> Margot, uh, to ever grace screens. I mean, or the know, telephones for that matter. So yeah, we we have we have yeah the telephones because we get the moaner. The moaner. <laughs> not more much more than just heavy breathing yes it starts with just <sighs> and then he starts i mean he gets lascivious i was i was surprised at the language used it really you know i i, I know why i got an r rating especially back at those times but some yeah. of the language used was it is like oh my god i don't remember that heavy of language being <laughs> used in it um Again, color band, when they filmed that, those sections, um, they 
did not have that language in there. That was actually put in later. Um, what they were listening to is they were actually reacting to Bob Clark, the director, was saying stuff over the phone. That's what they were all reacting to. But <laughs> but the the actual the the dirty talk um, was added in later. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, you have Margot's character. Uh, baiting the guy yeah it's just like that's really is, is that something you uh and the other character's like is that something you should really do but it was so margo yeah i loved that part it just that was like oh yeah that's margo yeah i mean it, it was it was it's a very classic scene and it really does set up the rest of the movie and right there i you think watching seeing it for the first time you think that she's going to be the main character you really do it's like okay Center of attention right there. Yeah, she gets she gets the first phone call uh, from her mom. So she gets the call, starts setting up plans for the weekend, and then she's interacting with the antagonist. So you think, okay, she's our she's our main girl. (laughs) Nope. Nope. (laughs) Joke's on you. Yeah, we're gonna yeah. go this way. By the way, folks, there will be spoilers. We're gonna talk about this, and there will be spoilers. So, spoiler alert. Honestly, the movie came out in '74. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> you know, if you haven't seen it and are listening to this, I'm surprised you're listening to this. There you go. There I you mean, go. I like my product, but I'm kind of surprised. <laughs> If I if I could backtrack just for a real quick second, you know, we talked about we talked about John and Margot and Andrea and Kier and Olivia. Who you didn't bring up is Bob Clark, the director of the movie. Oh, that's right. You know, Bob Clark and and a lot of you may know him for some better known mainstream movies like Porky's and that's even right. better known that. better known to this time around, time of year. A Christmas Story. Bob Clark was the director of Ralphie. It's a very interesting filmography. Yeah, yeah. He really, yeah, he's, he's flipped the gamut. This movie raises the question early on, because we, we see shortly after the first chilling phone call, our first kill, mm-hmm. uh, girl gets suffocated with the plastic bag after she's investigating a noise in her closet. And it begs to wonder, why don't people yell for help before <laughs> they go investigate this right? strange, mysterious noise? Or turn on lights. Exactly. Why don't they turn on the freaking light? There's a switch right there. You know, I mean, she goes into this dark cubby in the closet, and oh, you're surprised she who, gets killed. Who are you? No, no, yeah, you're who not. Who are you? Is that is that you? Who are you? Who's in there? And she just keeps going deeper into the damn thing. She deserved to die. Let's face it, at, she at deserved. Point, yeah, I, you know, I was rooting for the killer. I mean. <laughs> if you're dumb enough to just keep walking, you're walking into the plastic bag. Now, maybe, maybe we didn't see it. Of course, she was the virgin. She was the good girl. You know, maybe we didn't see it, but maybe she had found a little, one of Mrs. Mack's um, little hidden presents. Maybe. You know, who knows? Who, who? by the way, Mrs. Mack, the house mother, I loved her entrance. She reminded me of the penguin when yes. she came in, right? She, she reminds me of a cross between the penguin and uh, Mrs. Uh, B. <laughs> I'd say the show with uh, Tootie, Facts of Life. Oh, Facts of Life. Yes, yes, yes. Um, uh, the the house got, mom from that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's, with, that's who she reminded me of. Mixed with, I, I just wanted to hear it all. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> she is just yeah, I loved her. And yeah, she she was definitely my favorite character because she is the definition of a lush. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I mean, Whereas Margot has... was a drunk, this lady was a lush. She was awesome. With booze stashed everywhere. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite scene was she's standing over by the book bookcase. She's like, uh, B is for booze. B is for booze. And there was. And did you notice that that one book, it was right in the middle of a whole bunch of books that looked exactly alike, except that one book stood out. Oh, it's yeah. like, it's like they, they had done a couple takes with it being one of the normal books and she'd never found the right one. So they took a book that <laughs> looked completely different. Okay, here, you can't miss this. It's you like, we're going to find know, the you, biggest you, book we can. <laughs> You've done 12 shots already because you keep missing this damn thing. Here, here's the biggest book. We'll stick it in here so you can't miss it. Well, and how much brandy had she had at that point? I mean, Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> She's got to have a big sore thumb stuck out there. <laughs> and so then, you know, we get another call from the moaner. And I got to go on record here. Little baby bunting has never sounded creepier than it did <laughs> know, right? over that phone. Yeah. Oh my. You know, I just it. Whew, like, if, if you want to mess with somebody, start playing baby songs. Start playing lullabies and baby songs mm-hmm. in like a creepy, like death. Hey, yeah, it, it works for Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. That's 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 always been the the music boxes, the lullabies. Those are always. You know, there's nothing more beautiful than the laughter of a small child. Unless it's 3 a.m. and you don't have any kids. Yeah. Or it is 3 a.m. and your kids uh, are up and you want to sleep. That can be dangerous, too, especially if they're my child. But then uh, what I had mentioned earlier, the, the, the topics brought up in the movies. Uh, Jess, our final girl, uh, Olivia Hussey's character, uh, approaches her boyfriend about wanting to have an abortion. Not just wanting to. She's going she, to. Yeah, she is going to have an abortion. And Doesn't it's matter the what same he says. Argument or not. that is being had today, my mm-hmm. body, my choice, and I mean it just laid out right there on the screen. To see that in cinematography, yeah, like you stated, at that point in time, it where although, like I me. said, like I said, you know, it was the time of women empowerment, the, the early on settings of the the feminism and all that kind of stuff going on, but still to have it wasn't publicly spoken like that, yeah. not. Not in the entertainment industry, at least. You know, you people went. Yeah, they. I guarantee you that threw people off. I not see, not it, put it, them off, but threw them. Off. I say it, it definitely threw me. I mean, you, I you could like when she said she wanted to talk to him. I'm thinking, okay, she wants to break up with him, you know, or she's pregnant. Yeah, I was right. Yeah, yeah, she yeah, was pregnant. Yeah. I wasn't expecting to get the full abortion spiel, especially in the movie. And then the I'm doing it. I don't care what you say. And it's just like, wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, in as much at what I know about the newest iteration of this movie is the reason they went with a PG-13 rating is so that all girls could have access to see it so that because of like the current, you know, sex trafficking and right, like right, that, right. You know, they kind of know what to look for and stuff like, you know, the, the, the different signs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I think it's similar it, it, it it's it would be about a similar message in like you know in that ever evolving girl power 
movement. And I know it sounds weird, two guys talking about the girl power. <laughs> we have no clue what, you know. Right, yeah, right, right. right. But I don't know. I'm, I'm just a lesbian trapped, trapped in a man's body, so. You sound like my uncle. Yeah. <laughs> He'd get along great. Yeah, you know, so, something else that, that was going on during, during that whole party scene that I don't know if you even caught, but it was another thing that maybe kind of a sign of the times, but you didn't really see in the movies. But Margot was getting that little child drunk. Yeah. Right? Snockered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aren't you? You're snockered, aren't you? <laughs> you know, and she's feeding she's feeding the little kid alcohol. Now nowadays, you put that in a movie nowadays? Oh, oh my God. You're done. Oh, you're done. You're out of there. If you even insinuate you're gonna get that kid drunk, you're out of there. Yeah. And then after that the uh phone calls start to get the, the, the calls from the moaners start to get a lot more aggressive and creepy. Yeah, creepy, dirty, and just, just... and the, the the multiple voices. Yeah, you know the 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 psycho uh, multiple personality, the the flips of, of Billy and Agnes, and and you know those names tossed out, and you start to you start to wonder, well, what what the hell is what's the motivation here? Um, you know, what's what's causing this? Yeah, it's like okay, what what's driving this guy? And, and then we go to the police station and we meet Officer Nash. <laughs> this guy should be fired. Yeah, a little bit incompetent, you think? I mean, Barney Fife was a better cop. <laughs> okay? I mean, Margot's character convinced the guy that the phone number for the house ended with fellatio. Oh, started with. Started with. That was back That's correct. Phones. It was the exchange. Yeah, exchange F-L-E would yes. have been the exchange or, or cut down to the, the two-letter exchange by that time, the F-L. Yes. As, as fellatio. And he had no clue what the hell that was. Um, for those of you who don't know, by the way, because I'm guessing there, there may be actual people out there who don't know what fellatio is. Um, I'm not going to tell you. Look it up. <laughs> Watch the movie. It gets brought up. <laughs> but, as, as, but as Nash said, it's dirty, isn't it? <laughs> I say, and jumping ahead to later... The the the, ex, the the exchange between uh, Saxon's character and the other uh, detective. Who what I, I don't even remember his name, but that dude. I think that dude was on acid the entire movie. I think so too. All he did was giggle at shit. <laughs> <laughs> but you know when when he saw Saxon look down at that phone number. <laughs> yeah. And Saxon's like, "What is this?" You know, and he call he calls Nash in and asks him about the number. And he goes, well, that's the number to the house. He goes, fellatio? He goes, yeah, the girl, the girl gave me earlier. And and they never, they, they I think they, in the, right there, they missed a slight opportunity for the, the perfect line. Should have been, you mean the college girl gave you fellatio? Yeah. They didn't say that specifically. You know what I mean? They should have spelled it out right there and then, just for the joke. Oh, they spell other things out specifically yeah, for us in the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it's that that whole exchange is priceless Um, because Saxon's character is trying to keep a straight face. Acid Cop is over in the corner just losing it. Yeah. And Nash, our worthless cop, is just clueless and oblivious to what's going on. Mm hmm. And, and it, plays it very well too. Yeah, I mean it. It, it befuddles me. Yeah. Um, and then we find out 
that there is a uh, another girl missing, unrelated to our main right, right cast of characters. And what I find interesting is our our virgins friends are willing to go search a frozen park, <laughs> but they haven't checked the entire house for their missing friend. Never done a full search. I don't think they'd even opened the room at that point. No, no, the, the I, they never did go upstairs. Yeah, but yeah, they they never opened her room. Right, I don't think they did ever open her specific room. They, oh yeah, she's sleeping or but or she's missing, but they never actually went in and looked in her room to see if she yeah. was there. But we're gonna go search this, you know, freezing cold park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just like, wow, you guys are some friends, man. <laughs> you know, it's. Something else going on through the, this whole section in here too. Uh, we talked about in the beginning the 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 POV of the camera. Something else that that throws the mood in this and and keeps you off balance is the way they use the the audio the background audio. I want to say um, the what would be nowadays musical score or whatever going on, but the the sounds in the background. Um, since her and, and I'm going blank right now, but uh, Jess's boyfriend, Kerr, uh, Kerr blah, blah, yeah. blah, whatever, the the piano player, the 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 pianist, um, they use the piano strings, the sound of that as their background music well, throughout. And then, of course, as what we, you know, what I'm not going to say. No, nope, we we're, we're not there yet. Uh, we're not there yet. But we we see her boyfriend. Fail his uh, basically an audition uh, if you're not right. into musical things, right? And we find he has a uh, temper, anger streak, just a little bit of one, huh? He, he takes a microphone stand and destroys a baby grand piano, just rips it apart, rips it apart. And we see it again later with the microphone stand sticking out of it. Yeah, I mean, and. One if of the you've ever dumps. been close to a baby grand piano, that's no small feat. No, no, it's uh, I. We used to actually have a baby grand piano, and yeah, that. Oh, I wouldn't do it anyway. But yeah, no, that, that's, that's that, that 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 made me cry. I felt bad takes for the a, piano. It takes some anger, and they continue to use those sounds throughout the movie as as your foreboding foreboding sounds in the background, those strings. And and I was reading about that. They had to get those sounds. They actually hung different tools and utensils and stuff off of piano strings and banged them together. So it wasn't just the sound of the strings, but there were other weirdness sounds in it and that's how they did it is by by dangling forks and and silverware and tools wrenches and stuff off of piano strings that's interesting yeah um and then mrs mac is going to be leaving the house she, she tells I, I think it was jess jess she told she was going to be going to her sisters yep and she goes back upstairs because she thought she heard her cat who she's been looking for for the last 24 hours <laughs> yeah, no, and again, still nobody's ever opened that missing girl's room. Yeah. It could have been in there. Yeah. They never even check. We're, Poor cat. We're, we're looking for this cat, but we're not looking for this cat. No. We're looking He's for this girl. Things. We're not looking for this girl. No, not very hard. I mean, if it were the 60s, we could chalk it up to drugs. <laughs> well, they, 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 I mean, they I'm sure there's still it. some overlap. 
But yeah. most of these guys seem to have their head on pretty straight. They're, they're, when you watch the movie, you could tell the exceptions. Yeah, and yet pretty inept. But you know that that you look at any of the horror movies and anything you could you could do this with any of them. There are always nobody ever turns lights on. Nobody ever looks in the one obvious spot. Nobody ever double checks. You know the the cops and and the the investigators tend to be pretty, and that's that leaves it open for more things to go on because yeah. if they if they really were good at their job they'd have these things wrapped up really darn quick and the movie would be 15 minutes long and then we get uh miss mac while she's looking for her cat decides to look in the attic mm-hmm. of course because the cat would be in the attic well she did hear the sound she did hear yeah, she's she did. like what how did you get up there well and at that yeah. point even i wouldn't look up there you just Open the door, say, okay, fine, come down when you want. You know, it's yeah, yeah, up there, right. come down. Yeah, you climb that ladder, you open that 15-pound lid to get in there, then, yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm not, I ain't doing it. You're on your own, cat. I'll put some food down, you'll come down when you're hungry. There you go. Besides, uh, I got a cab to catch. Exactly. And that cabbie was pissed. That cabbie was Bob Clark. No, I'm sorry, <laughs> that, that, that cabbie, no, that cabbie was Roy Moore. Not Bob Clark. That cabbie was Roy Moore, who was the other writer of the movie. That was his cabbie. That was one of the other things I liked in the 70s. They, because Romero did that a lot with his movies. He would just pull people from behind the camera. It's like, Mm -hmm. I need you to fill in here. Yep, yep. Yeah, you know, and it worked. Yeah, I'm already paying you. So why why would I hire? Like, why uh, hire somebody else? I'm paying you to be here. So why why pay another 150 bucks an hour for somebody else? Here, get over here, stand over there, and do this. Just stand here, shake your head, and look pissed. Yeah. But then yeah, she goes upstairs to look for that darn cat, and our killer is in the attic, and takes her out with. The, who's got a swinging although uh, the, the the whole swinging hook on the the pulley perfect for perfect for doing her but my my wife did go oh that's how he got that girl up there i, I was curious too i was like how did he drag her up to the attic yeah and who has that up in the attic when well, all you have is a little crawl space to get up there if I, now the house I'm in now, I've lived in for 14 years. It was built in 1897, and the attic is over the. Of course, it was added on, but the attic is over the original part of it. It's, it had the the center, your basic square center farmhouse thing. But I have never gone up in that attic. I opened the door and peeked in once. It was like nope, and closed it again. It's one of those same type of access points. It's like nope. But if I went up and I opened that up, and there was a there was a hook on a pulley with big rope at the top of that i would no close it nail it shut i'm not going up there exactly it it just has that foreboding look and you couldn't pay me to do it i'm sorry yep 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 it's just there's no way around it it's not happening but yeah she goes up she gets killed and the killer freaks out Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, he did seem more upset about having to do that. I don't think she was part of his plan. So it, it makes you wonder, does he have mommy issues? Well, you know, one of the voices, too, that he that the moaner uses yeah. after that uh, sounds a lot like Mrs. Mack. Yeah. You know, and, and screaming screaming for Billy and, and, of course, Billy yelling for Agnes, who, and this is one of the wonderful things about these mo- about this movie that I love. We talked earlier about leaving things up to the, the watcher. They never do explain Billy and Agnes. No. You have no idea what that backstory is. And that's one of the things I love about this, is they don't... Explain the ending either. 
no, no, they they never wrap it up. Now there were two endings shot for this movie, and they never used either one. They cut it where they were at. I say I I like how it ended, and at the same time, I'm mad about how it ended. The producers were pissed. Oh, I believe it. The guys they 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 tried. They threatened. Um, they threatened Clark uh, uh, that they wanted this one ending and they wanted it this way. And he said, no, screw you. This is my movie. <laughs> and he left it the way it was. And I'll tell you, if they had done that, if they had done the pretty wrap up, I don't think it would have been as big of a cult hit as it has so been. Either. I'm, I'm just surprised that there weren't more um, spinoffs or, you know, continue on. I say, going. honestly, I'm surprised it didn't spawn a franchise like everything else was in the 70s. Well, let's get to the end, and I'm going to tell you a secret. <laughs> Yay, I like secrets. Uh, but then, yeah, Jess gets an- another phone call, and she seems to get all the phone calls. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're still getting creepier and more disturbing, and it's, they, you know, I, I think at this time, at the same time she's getting this call is when they're convincing John Saxon's character to come investigate the house right because the one girl's boyfriend knows him or something but 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 he was he was there when they got the call so it couldn't be him right no couldn't be no it could be him because he was there she she could he was there when she got that call it couldn't be him or could it we actually had my wife and i had to rewrite the movie to uh where we were at to see about that and discovered that he was not actually in the room when she got the call no he uh shows up i think right after right after the uh phone the the receiver gets clicked yeah. But then the lead detective, Saxon's character, is hearing about all this, st- you know, hears about all the stuff going on. And they convince him to go check this out because Jess calls about the phone calls and Officer Nash didn't feel that it was important to tell anybody. He didn't want to bother him with so much stuff going on. More, more iconic dialogue. Really? There's, we've got a missing girl. We got a couple missing girls. Then they start receiving these, and you didn't think that was important. Exactly. Yeah. And so he goes and checks it out, and you know, so he, he finally we go into the dead girl's room, and oh, her suitcase is laid open on the bed, and everything hasn't been touched in like twenty four hours. Yeah. Finally. And, we get it's not i wish they hadn't put it in there because it, it you would have kept you guessing later in the movie but they decide they're going to wiretap the house yeah and so they wiretap the line and the phone company guy asks are there any other phones in the house and the cop says there's a line in there's a phone in Mrs. Max's room, but it's, but a, it's different, a different no, di- number. Different number, and there's been no incoming calls on that number. Yeah, so <laughs> it's right like, there, boom. Hello. It's like, oh, geez. Yeah, yeah. It's like, wait, over, explain it. Yeah, they, that that was obviously a setup for. Oh well, here we'll give them a hint. Well, that wasn't a hint. So that wasn't a hint. That's, oh, the calls are coming from inside the house. <laughs> I, think it was, I think it was meant to be a hint, but right there you're like, well, duh, they're coming. Yeah. But anyway, moving well, on. Well, honestly, it, it, it might be watching it now, we're a little bit more uh, attuned to things like that. Sure, hindsight. Yeah. Yeah. And then we move forward a little bit. And this is when we find out that Margot's character isn't going to survive. Mm-hmm. She gets a uh, crystal unicorn used as her uh, impl- implementation of demise. 
and, and, and again, here's another one like Mrs. Mack. I felt that she was well, and and she kind of, she kind of surprised Billy on the whole thing. You know, that was an improvised. Oh shit! I've got to kill this. Let's grab the first thing that's handy. Because she woke up. <laughs> but it was beautiful that it was a crystal unicorn. Because again, growing up in the seventies, unicorns and Pegasus were a big were everywhere. Big, Bigger than they are now. Unicorns are really big right now, but unicorns and Pegasus were every porcelain thing, every crystal thing, every, I mean, I personally, I had little unicorn and Pegasus, little like porcelain statues on my dash of my nice station wagon. So, I mean, they were everywhere. Well, and he, he doesn't listen to the show, so I'm sure he won't bother me telling the world. My stepdad, who was born in 65, has a unicorn collection uh, from that era. So, you know, trust me, I am fully aware of the unicorn fascination. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I think that the horror from the people of the time of that was less on the death and more on that a unicorn was used for Not the, the death. Uni- well, that'd be like... Yeah, 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 yeah. Not the unicorn. That, that'd be like killing somebody today with a My Little Pony. <laughs> you know th- th- that ha- it has about that you know quality of carryover. Mm. You know, my death by my little pony. Mm, that that sounds kind of fun, actually. Here, take Applejack to the heart. <laughs> uh, and uh, and again, we got one of the most surreal sounding things. And I, I realized it was probably one of the most visceral things I've ever witnessed. But watching somebody die to Christmas carols, mm-hmm. it, it, there's just something grace, graceful isn't the word. Elegantly done. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, is, it, it definitely sets the mood because I like you don't it expect too. it. I like it too. And a lot of people hate his guts. As a director, at least, but Rob Zombie, House of a Thousand Corpses, Slim Whitman playing during a death scene. You know, it's the, the you take two things that are so, so different that have zero thing and you put them together and they work. Exactly. And I mean, okay, th- this is a movie about Christmas time murders. So what's better than yeah. actually getting. You know, setting a murder to the carolers. Absolutely. And just the execution of it, pun intended, was, <laughs> I mean, it was great. Yeah. Just was, the cut back to the kill, cut back to the carolers. And then after the deed is done, the person in charge of the carolers comes up, says, okay, we got to go. Everyone back on the bus. You know, how come, how come, how come? Well, there was a girl found dead in the park. Yeah, well, there's a girl upstairs dead, too. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) You know? Who, I gotta bring up, has been sitting in the attic window with a light on her this entire time. Yeah! And nobody's noticed. Look up. Look up, there she is. (laughs) Just looking out the window. There's a uh, painting, I think it's... uh, Whistler's Mother? (laughs) Actually, that's yeah. what it reminded me. That's what yeah. it reminded me of. It was Whistler's mother. Yeah. Uh that yeah, it's like you look at it, it's like really you, you, you can't see her. She's just 
there, mouth open, he's chilling. Right there. Yep, yep, yep. He didn't even try to hide her. I mean, he did, but... And then I got to thinking, because the calls came after each time he killed somebody. That was his way of showing off. And Okay, okay also... I got I to break in, because I just had a brainstorm. Okay, this is the same director that did A Christmas Story, okay? Mm-hmm. The girl in the window, with in all her blazing glory, with the light on her, is this the prelude to the leg lamp? <laughs> right? That'd be awesome. There she is in all her blazing glory. A body with the light on. Uh, the body in the window with the light on right there for everyone to see. Is that the prelude? Is that what gave him a, the idea for the leg lamp? Is he still alive? I think so, yes. Somebody, I believe so. I could be wrong. Somebody needs to ask him. Yeah. Because that, that makes perfect sense. That It does to me. Yeah, it just hit me, but yeah. That was that was the the horror version of the leg lamp. Fred Jilly. Yeah, that... You know what? That, 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 that works for me. That connects Black Christmas to... A Christmas story. It's now a black Christmas story. There you go. <laughs> You'll take a leg off with that thing. Uh, but yeah, the calls were the killer's way of confessing and bragging about what he did, similar to the way like uh the Zodiac would send letters in and right. different serial killers of the time would you know, just you don't get that now. People just kill and don't tell you about it. Well, and, and the very first call that they had, the very first call from the moaner ended with, "I'm going to kill you." Yeah, you, you know? know, and then yeah, it's you. You get that each each one is, "I did a bad thing." Mm-hmm. Agnes, don't tell him what we did. Yeah, you know, I was just like, huh, interesting. You know, but it, it was a nice little. Uh, there, there's a sub story there that I. I would love to see mm-hmm. followed on Billy, Billy and Agnes, the glory days. It sounds like an old, it sounds like a Cagney and Lacey. Uh, special. <laughs> there, you, there you go. Thelma and Louise. Uh, and then, so we've been tapping the house and we get, you know, the famous line, you know, we, we find out, the calls are uh, coming from inside the house. Okay, now, 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 tapping the house. I love how they filmed the the whole tapping and the the tracking down of yes. where it was coming from. How the guy ran through all those aisles and just looking up and like he could follow where the electricity was going, looking at the switches and what have you, until he found the right one. Um, now, maybe in those days they didn't know. How's the line go? That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he was racing around while the tap was going on, trying to find, okay, that switch leads to that one. Okay, now we'll see where that one's pointing to. Yeah. I that mean, was comical. They tried. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and like I said, you know, at that point in time, people didn't know exactly how. It's all magic anyway, you know? It's a hard switchboard. and. Yeah, I mean, they they took the basic knowledge of how switchboard works and said, "Yeah, people will buy it." Yeah, sure. 
And they did. That's they, okay. Yeah. That's good. And yeah, you got, you know, the calls are coming from inside the house. And if they hadn't explained how earlier in the movie to you, like you were a two-year-old, you would be yeah, wondering, but, how? But they, how is that they, possible? They actually said uh, the that comes that's coming from this phone number, which did not start with Felicia. Um, and that address is they're like, wait, that's the same address. The calls must be coming from inside the house. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. oh yeah, didn't we just say earlier, not not six hours earlier, that there was another line in there? There's another line. Hmm. Yeah. And then Nash is told to call Jess, tell her to get out of the house, but don't tell her why. <laughs> right. And is told let's call, under no uncertain let's terms, don't this up for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's let's call the most inept cop we absolutely <laughs> have and put them on this task to give a secret message. <laughs> I mean, what is wrong with this police force? <laughs> So he it's calls all her. They got. Yeah, he calls her, and he's like, and he's trying so hard. He is trying. Just please hang Just up the go, phone. Walk out the front door. Don't don't go check on the other people. Don't don't do this. Don't do that. Just just leave, please. And then when she's not getting it, he he breaks it. And he's like. He's in the house. The killer is in the house. And it's like, oh, you idiot. Yeah. Of course she's going to go investigate. This guy has been tormenting her all day. And she does. And, well. And we get chased through the house, still with POV camera angles. And where do you head? Where, of course, where do you go? Even though a cop told you, get the hell out of the house. Where do you go when you're being chased by a killer? Uh, the basement. There you go. That's got to be the safest place, right? Well, in the 80s, you go upstairs, so I guess 70s, yeah. you go downstairs. Downstairs. Well, you can't go upstairs because that's where all the bodies are. Yeah, so, right. yeah, you had to go downstairs. Yeah. And we get downstairs, and her boyfriend, Johnny. Johnny is her boyfriend's name, the piano player. Mm -hmm. uh, he's tapping on the window. <laughs> and it had been insinuated that maybe he is the moaner and he comes in and is following her around and busts the window open yeah and we get him searching for jess jess hiding from johnny well jess, jess is jess screaming jess is hiding from billy but yeah thinking that and, and he just keeps coming coming to her right yeah Johnny just keeps coming. She's screaming. She's obviously in a state of shock. She's in a state of panic. She's terrified of the dude. And he's just, what, what's wrong? Well, no, no. First off, she told him he, she told him she was going to have an abortion. She told him to get out of the house. She told him to go away. She knows the guy is pissed and all this stuff. She's in this huge state. And he's like, what's wrong, Jess? Here, what? <laughs> Johnny's an ass. That's all I got to say. Johnny's an yes. ass. Johnny, Johnny is... Johnny got what Johnny deserved. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So as we get just screaming as the competent police force shows up, guns drawn, they hear the screaming, they boot the front door, and you go downstairs to what looks like, at first glance, a dead Jess and Johnny. Mm -hmm. And you find and, out. And right there, right there, I thought, I right at that moment, I thought, 
Billy got them both. I did too. I was like, oh, crap. Double kill. Yeah. You know, there is no final girl. But then Jess wakes up and the police wrapped the case. It had to be Johnny. It had to be Johnny. And, and she got him. She got Johnny. Case solved. She's now strapped to the bed on, what was it, morphine? Yeah, they, yeah like I morphine think it was morphine. and basically laudanum. Yeah, they shoot big, they self or uh, medically induced coma, basically, is for what at they least four is. hours. Right, right. That they were putting her down for. Okay, let let let's move let's let's move to more inept. Okay, so they they supposedly got them, but they still have missing dead bodies, right? Yeah, they have missing dead bodies. Which... They don't take they don't take just to the hospital. They put her back in her bedroom and yeah. drug her to keep her down. And then what do they do? They leave. They leave. They leave. They leave one guy outside. Ah, she'll be down for four hours. She's good. Who doesn't hear the phone ringing? <laughs> right. As the right. camera pans away from the house. Well, pans up. You, you first pans up. You see the 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 Whistler's mother, Whistler's mother in the window. Right. Right. And then the the long drawback. Just again, I'm going to liken it to. I, I think this is where I think Rob Zombie got a lot of inspiration from this movie, because there were a lot of a lot of the stuff in his first one, his House of a Thousand Corpses. I think I think he got a lot of inspiration from this, whether he knew it or not. Well, yeah, I see. You know, the, the ending of uh, a Thousand Corpses is very reminiscent of how this one ended. Right. Right. Because I mean, you know, the ongoing question with House of a Thousand Corpses is, you know, what happened to Dr. Satan, you know, mm-hmm. what, th- th- there's a bunch of unanswered questions. Mm-hmm. You get to the end of this one, you're like, holy crap, you know, okay, so it appears to be somebody still walking around the house after the cops leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, the phone's ringing again after a murder just took place. That, that's a hint to that Billy is still around. And, you know, we don't know for sure that Jess is the one that killed Johnny. We we don't know exactly what went on. Um, so so now's where I'm going to toss in some of that stuff. I did some digging. Okay, that was that was the end of the movie. Roll credits. We don't know where. We don't know. We, there are no answered questions. We know that Jess was there, but we see the shadow coming over her. That somebody's watching her. We know it's not a cop because all the cops just left, except for the one guy who's standing outside, not hearing the phone ring. Who happens to be, I think, the fattest cop on the force. Yeah, yeah. My, you know, he, they, they left, just left some donuts. They knew he'd stick around. Um, but we've got, okay, let's see. I, I, I've, got things, I've got things written down here that I, I did some digging on this stuff. Okay, so, so we have no answer questions. And that was one of the things that both bugged me and made me love this, was we still don't know who Billy is. We don't know what his motivation. We don't know who Agnes is. Or did they grow up in the house? You know, maybe Mrs. Mack was their babysitter when they were little. Are they, you know, don't, Agnes, don't tell them what we did. You know, we don't know. Is that sexual? Is that that they killed the cat? You know, uh, where are all these voices going on? Now, you said one of the things we, we talked about that they allude to that Johnny might be Billy. Okay. Now here's a dirty, I, I found out about this and I thought, well, that's a freaking dirty trick. Okay. Um, the Roy Moore did most of the voices of Billy. All right. The, the other guy who is along with, with Bob Clark, actually there's a little bit of Bob in there too, but they actually 
people in some of Johnny's lines that he was saying, they overdubbed Billy's voice doing those lines to confuse you even further. So the voice was the exact same voice. Oh, that's messed up. That isn't that. Isn't it? That's like, well, that's a dirty freaking trick. Just so that, because, you know, your brain grabs things that you don't even realize it grabs. So to lead you more to think that the killer was Johnny, they actually used, overdubbed the killer's voice over Johnny's voice in some of his dialogue. Just to confuse your brain. That, that, that's really, uh, yeah, that, that is definitely. Uh, <laughs> that's messed up. So that, that goes back to the whole psychological uh, mm-hmm. play. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Of course, the the movie they they tried when they released it in the states. They tried to change the name of it to Silent Night, Evil Night, which didn't fly. It didn't work very well. I think Black Christmas is a much better, better much better name for it. Right. Um, the in in doing it when they released it here, the NBC was as titled "Stranger in the House." Okay. They were going to air it on, on broadcast network the next year. They were going to air it, do a broadcast airing of this, calling it Stranger in the House. However, they had to pull it because during that week, Ted Bundy was running around killing college girls, and they felt it would be insensitive to air it during that time. That See, and, and that, that was the feel I got. That was the Ted Bundy feel. I mean, it, right. it had to... they did turn around and air it two weeks later. After they caught Bundy, well, at that point you had him, and right, right. Then it w- it was okay, but they but they felt you know they they were actually going to air it, and they they did pull it because Ted Bundy was kind of mimicking what was going on in the movie, and uh, they thought that would be insane. And I agree with their decision. I think it would have been a bit in, insensitive to do it. Oh, most definitely. Bits of trivia are fun. You got any others? I do. I do. Now we you said you were really surprised, and so was I. You know, I ne- we never saw a Billy and Agnes movie. We never saw a franchise come out of here. We said that, right? Right. We actually did, and nobody knew it. The original, okay, and I'm getting goosebumps just getting ready to talk about this, and and I'm sorry if you guys are huge fans of this franchise. Look it up. It is This is 100% true, and you probably didn't even know it. This came out in 77. The original storyline to a movie that came out in 1978 was meant to be a sequel to this Halloween. Huh. The original and this is the original draft of the movie. Not I'm not talking what what came out. The original draft, the original storyline thought of it was supposed to be who we now know as, as you know as the whole Halloween series and and Michael, right? Yeah. I I, keep, I confuse Michael and Jason in my head once in a while. The uh the whole storyline of Michael was Billy. Huh. That was that. That was what got the whole, and then and then it grew into be a standalone, being Halloween and what we the huge franchise that we know of today. Of course, Halloween itself was only meant to be a. It wasn't meant to be a franchise. It, each it was, episode it was, was like a one-off, and then different stories. Exactly, exactly. So that initial storyline for the very first movie was meant to be an a, an extension of Black Christmas. And Billy, so there, a... there's a bomb for you. Yeah, huh? Original pick for Johnny was Malcolm McDowell, huh? And he passed on it. And the little notation on that was something he regrets to this day. Interesting. 
can you picture Malcolm McDowell doing Johnny? He's got that crazy look to him, you know? Uh, so it, he would have been. Yeah, his eyes are perfect for it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so normally I have a, I, I come up with a question uh, in my notes. I wrote it as a listener question. I don't know why I did that. Uh, it, for my uh, guest, and it's oh. related to the movie. Uh, okay. How would you ensure that you were the final girl in A Black Christmas? How would I have ensured? So, not necessarily being Jess. Yeah, if, but if, say I, if it wasn't focused on Jess. If it wasn't focused on Jess, or, or just if I were one of those girls in the, in, in the, the sorority. Yeah, how do you survive? Um, how would I survive? Um, number from one, simply just leaving. I mean, that, that right, right, right. That's a given. That, that's a given. Um, number one, turn on the freaking lights. <laughs> right? Yeah, the, definitely. Um, don't poke my head in the back of the closet where I'm hearing weird ass noises going on. Um, if I hear a cat cry from the attic. Leave him the F alone. He got up there himself. He can get himself down. And never piss off a cabbie. So you're, what you're saying is the best defense is common sense. There you go. But let, let's face it. If common sense were used in horror movies, we would not have any good horror movies. We'd right? Cer- we would certainly have fewer last girls. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, you got anything coming up or anything new you would like to uh, promote? Uh, well, let's see this, uh, not, not this Saturday, but the next Saturday will be hot chat live at eight o'clock. That would be, I believe that what is it? January 4th, um, eight o'clock central time. I don't know where all of your, uh, where all of your uh, listeners come around, but it is central time. Yeah. Saturday, January 4th. Um, that's on the hot chat live Facebook page is where we do it live. And then it is archived over to the YouTube channel, which is also just on chat, youtube.com slash hot chat live, facebook.com slash hot chat live. Really easy to find those things. Um, we will be having, uh, the gentleman that puts together the home haunter awards, so we will be talking about that uh, again. I'm in the haunt industry, you know, those, those both pro and home uh, haunted attractions and things. And home haunts are there's thousands and thousands across the country, and they have their own get-togethers and their own, you know, little groups that they belong to to learn how to do stuff. And they're they every year. Well, actually, this is first year for this one. Um, some group always does Home Haunter Awards. The Canadian one is going on right now also. But we'll have Christopher Presley on talking about getting your submissions in for that if you do a Home Haunt. Um, and they have all kinds of awards. Or Look up Home Haunters Awards on Facebook. Just type that one in and you'll, you'll find all the information about it. But we'll be having the show on that. Um, Mistress Laurie and I will be going to HauntCon down in New Orleans. Uh, January 17th through the 19th, I believe. And we'll be doing some live feeds from there, too. And while we're down there, we are going to, I'm actually going to officiate a wedding at the convention um, for some people in the haunt industry. So that will be fun because that'll be uh, that'll be in full character. That'll be that gravedigger guy that you were talking to earlier. He'll be there. And that'll be a really good time. Well, if you're, you know, while you're down there, if he's, uh, home you should pop over and say hi to a mutual friend of ours uh rob mellow that we met at crypticon he lives in new orleans 
I did not realize that. Yep. So yeah, he uh, lives down in New Orleans. Okay. All right. Well, I've got, I've got actually I have beings as wide as the haunt industry as I have several friends down in in the New Orleans area. But I will have to I will have to give him crap about not mentioning that. <laughs> I say um, he's uh he's been pretty vocal on uh I think it was his Instagram that he he loves the uh, New Orleans area. Oh well, you know why? Here is why he um. He hasn't mentioned it to me because we're not friends on Facebook. Ah. I know, Rob, we're friends outside. I say it's, a, it's an easy. That. And there it is. New Orleans. Yep. Lives in New Orleans. Uh, New, New Orleans. Pardon me. New Orleans. Orleans. Down in Orleans. Down in Orleans country. Yep. Yep. Facebook, where friendship is just a click away. <laughs> I'm one of those those idiots that has 4,000 plus friends, you know, um, just cause I don't, I, I don't accept everybody, but there, you know, I have a lot of people. I have no idea who the frick they are. <laughs> so point, Facebook has become my Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram has all become very much for my wood burning. Uh, yeah. my, my, my podcast. It's a networking. Yeah. I, of course, there is the Facebook page, the Gravedigger Redford Michael, which is a page, not a profile, right? So I have that one. So y'all go out there and like that one. I uh, say the, all the links you mentioned will be uh, posted with the show overview. Awesome, awesome. So uh, again, every, everything's just a click away. If you want, if you want to send me a friend's request, I I encourage it. But go for the Michael Ross one. And you'll see a picture of the gravedigger or my, my icon for the gravedigger um, as the, the gravedigger button that I showed you earlier most, um, as the icon for it. But it's Michael Ross, not the Mike Ross one, please. Which, um, unless we actually shout know out each to a really good friend of ours. That logo is done by a very talented artist, Kevin Keel of KeelIllustrations.com. Awesome, awesome, awesome gentleman. Oh, my God. We were at Crypticon. He was set up at the booth next to us. Of course, Crypticon always fell at until this this coming year had always fallen on my birthday. So that was my birthday present to me for the last six years was going to Crypticon. And this last year, we actually had a booth and he was set up next to me. And on Sunday, my birthday, he came over and goes, here, I have this for you. And during the weekend, he had been looking at me and sketching a characterization of the grave dick, which I, cr- I literally, I cried when he gave that to me. And it has become my official icon now. Um, the gentleman is so talented. I mean, all the work that he had up there, but to see yourself. And, and if any of you guys look at this characterization of the grave digger, this is how I feel when the grave digger is around. Okay. This, he really, truly caught my emotion, my feeling. That is the grave digger. This, I, Kevin is awesome. He is just a freaking awesome dude. So I remember catching him uh, working on that in between going out to smoke, and I was like, holy crap. Yeah, right? And, and I didn't. I am so oblivious to what's going on around me. <laughs> I had no clue. Well, here's how oblivious I am. My daughter, who was with us, the killer kid, was making – I mentioned earlier she makes chainmail jewelry. She was making, for my birthday, a chainmail necktie. Okay. Yeah, of course the the standard Father's Day present a tie, right? Well, it's kind of a joke. At the table with you? 
at the table with me. Behind the table, sitting back there, she was working on a chainmail necktie with a smiley face on it. We collect smiley face stuff. And I had no clue. I was completely oblivious until right near the very end. I caught a glimpse of and and kind of, I guess, spoiled, you know, the whole surprise of it. Not really, because it was still a huge surprise to me. But the whole weekend she'd been working on the damn thing and I right in front of me and I had no clue. I, think I saw her sitting at the you know, sitting back there working on it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. <laughs> it now hangs on my set. It hangs probably in the back of my back of the set. I've worn it a couple times. It's a little heavy. It is chainmail after all. But it is Is it, it heavy is, metal? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it is a kind of show. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. That's all right. Dad joke show. But it's it's beautiful. Yeah, it, I I'll I'm gonna throw a shout out for her. Phoenix Cry Mail. Okay. Phoenix, however you spell that, C R Y M A I L. Right? Yeah. Mail? Yeah, that seems like chain mail. Well, it's cry mail. Look it up on Facebook. She's got some gorgeous stuff out there. So I will definitely add a link to that because, yeah, I was watching that get made and that looked killer. Mm-hmm. No, we call her the killer kid. Yeah. Fitting. <laughs> yep. There you go. Uh, and as always, you could you can find me at Moose's Marvelous Wood Burnings and more on Facebook or at the Twitter page for the new Twitter page for the uh, podcast at EMC Monster Mash on Twitter. I'd like to thank both of my guests for joining me on this holiday episode. Hey, Moose, we had a wonderful blast. Yeah, Moose, this is, this is a great time, buddy. I, 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 I'm glad to get out once in a while and, and, and have a good time. Thank you so much for having us on. I love your show. It's awesome, awesome, awesome. Anytime. And we at Moose's Monster Mash hope you had a wonderful time as well and have a happy holidays. And until next year, Horror Hounds, mash on. Yeah. <laughs>